Welcome on back in the Sling Sports Podcast. Your host, Jake Finnerty, your co-host, Wally McKeon. Wally, as we hinted at last week, the madness is certainly here. Let it begin. Yeah, we're here March 1st. This is the month of madness. This is one of my favorite months of the entire year. There's only 12 to choose from, but still one of my favorites. Spring break on the horizon. We're, uh, we're approaching conference tournaments now. Um, it's the best time of the year to be a basketball fan. Well, like you said, approaching conference tournaments, we're going to start the show off with talking about a conf- conference tournaments. But before we get to that, we got to talk about our highlights, what's been going on in our lives, or what yeah. is going to go on in our lives. So, Wally, I'll let you take it away, as you normally do with the highlight of the week. What's been going on? Um, I'll, I'll continue the, the trend of looking to the future and the bright things that are coming up on the horizon. And I've got a friend coming up this weekend to sunny Syracuse, who I haven't seen since the summer. Um, he's spending half of his spring break in Syracuse, New York. I don't know why anyone would do that. I would say, what a what a nice weather, what nice weather yeah. to come to for spring break, right? And uh, uh, he, he goes to school in Boston, um, so he's flying in on Friday night. It's supposed to snow on Friday night. Yep, we get the full Syracuse Spos- treatment. It's supposed to snow on Saturday as well. Exactly, <clears throat> we're going to the Wake Forest game on Saturday. Show him a good time in sunny Syracuse, New York. It'll well, be really nice. <clears throat> the good thing is he he should be seeing a sellout. Uh, in that Wake Forest game. Is that so? I I believe so, just because of the McNamara and Warwick retirement, the 2003 uh, commemoration, Senior Day. Um, The last game is always a a big one, and this one's a 5 o'clock game, actually. We're first of the season, I think. I like like, like the 5. I'm a fan of it. Go have dinner afterwards. It could be nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, But my highlight of the week um, also pertains to this weekend. Um, It's kind of a two-day thing. So the first day... Having a, a nice um, anniversary party here at my place this 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 Friday for the anniversary of, well, that's for our viewers, to, our, our listeners to figure out themselves. You got to guess. Yeah, you got to guess. Uh, so very happy to have um, all the all the fellas over for one final weekend before before we head to spring break next week. Yeah. Uh, and then this Saturday, two things going on this Saturday. I've got family coming up for the nice. game. Uh, some friends back home. Obviously, GMAC, a big name in, in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So there will be a lot of people here that I know. Um, glad to see them. And then Saturday night, I have a banquet with uh, the radio station that I work at here. Nice. Um, with a bunch of alumni. So very much dressing looking forward up. to that. Yeah, fancy dressing fun. up, being you know, some a fancy dinner. Uh, you know, I'll get, get a nice meal out of it. You know, have a nice time. Meet some alumni. Maybe make some connections. It's all about networking nowadays. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's pretty popular. It's huge. It's huge. So I'm hoping that 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 could that could be a gateway to some opportunities for SSP to really blow up. I uh, <laughs> I might have to pencil in my drip of the week early, uh, depending on your outfit. I mean, <laughs> I can't I can't spoil anything, but I I do gotta say I have a pretty sick outfit planned for this weekend. I, I like to pop off when it comes to that things. I have a new jacket on the way up for this Saturday. Good. Uh, some new shoes. I'm looking forward I'll to show seeing you. It. I'll show you a little, a little something, yeah. something before I, before I go to the the conference. <laughs> uh, but with that being said, we're gonna head into some speedy slings, of course, as we do the quick headlines at the beginning of the show, and we've got the NCAA women's basketball conference tournaments beginning today, actually. Yeah, the entire regular season has come to an end in the the women's side of college basketball. Um, now it's showtime. This is where we get to the money makers. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you saw, but there was already a fight that broke out yeah. in the SEC conference play, and 
that was pretty scary. Yeah, there was a 20-minute delay <clears throat> just because of the brawl that took place. <clears throat> they um, kicked I, eight girls out of the game. Yeah, I, I love the passion. I love the hunger for victory. I love it. Um, as well, Syracuse, our, our home woman, our orange woman, um, are currently slated as the last team in, according to Charlie Cream on ESPN. Uh, they'll play NC State tomorrow in the ACC tournament. Something to watch for us orange folk. Um, wish them the best. Great time of year. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really hoping for them to pull that out. Uh, you know, maybe we can get to see at least one basketball team yeah. in a tournament this year. Um, that'd a be very, very, one. very, very exciting. Um, I went to the final, their final game of the season actually when they played Miami, mm-hmm. and I gotta say, Deasia Fair, amazing player, okay. amazing. She she killed it. Uh, I think she hit at least two or three one foot step back jumpers. Sweet, it was crazy. Nice. Uh, moving on to the golf side of things, as we always do at the beginning of the show. Uh, we've got the Live uh, having a huge TV contract with the CW. The CW broadcasting live events for the first time, I think, in five years. Um, maybe even longer than that. But a big swing and a miss for them this weekend. They had a household rating of .18, which means that they averaged 289,000 viewers. Yeah. Um, I don't really know why you would pick the CW to be your broadcasting partner. They're not a, a sports-based program. The Yankees used to have a broadcast deal with them. Um, I think the Mets might have as well, and you would watch like eight games a year would be on it. Um, but the CW produces Riverdale uh, and other television programs, dramas. It's not a It's not a sports channel. So I just find it kind of interesting that that's where they landed with. I think there's a big uh, controversy in a lot of those bigger markets. Um, if they were to sign a deal with the Live, you know, the Saudi-backed golf league that mm. is very controversial. Nobody really knows where the money is coming from, except for, of course, uh, some some high officials in Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah. Phil Mickelson, obviously, being one of the biggest advocates for this golf league. And it expanded with a lot of top 100 players in the golf world. Uh, recently, and they've slated their whole, uh, you know, tour the entire year of it. Um, they released that schedule, I believe it was two or three weeks ago. So it's going to be interesting to see how what the impact is. But I believe like they averaged, like I said, two hundred eighty nine thousand viewers. Well, this weekend the PGA had the Honda Classic, and I think that averaged around two million viewers. Yeah, so it was a big, that's big ten times squashing. That's blowing it out. Of yeah, the water. and and I think the CW premiered. I don't know if it was this weekend, but I saw some something on Twitter that there was some kind of dog fashion show that averaged more viewers than the ah, Live Golf bad. Tournament. That's did bad this on weekend. your own network as well. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, so I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see. It's hard to get in. Hard to get into the sports world when broadcasting. To actually, draw yourself in there and stay prominent. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the MLB. It's been a little bit before uh, since we talked about the MLB. Um, and spring training underway today. Mm-hmm. Um, well, underway last week. Yeah. But you know, in full swing now this week. Uh, very, very fun to see that happening. I, I, I do have to say, Andrew Painters from uh, the MLB. He's the MLB's top pitching prospect from Philadelphia. Yeah. 19 years old, made his debut today. Fantastic job by him. I will say uh, Jason Dominguez in the Yankees uh, organization, nicknamed The Martian, also made his spring training spring training debut this past weekend. Hit a 420-foot bomb in his uh, first appearance. He did. I believe it was against the Phillies as well. Yes, it was. I believe it was. Um, across spring training, though, what we've seen with the pitch clock, something that I didn't really think about when the pitch clock was introduced was how it affects the batters. 
And to me, it was always about the pitching rhythm. But these batters, they have to stay in the box. They can't go out. There are so many videos. Carlos Correa today. Where Manny he, Machado last Where he swings. Week. He steps out of the box. He's to get back into the box. Um, it's going to take a minute for these veterans who have been in the league for so long. This is their rhythm, and now they have to adjust. And this is the one rule that I really was not on board with because I think it throws off the rhythm of the game. Yes, baseball needs to be quicker, you know, a quicker game, a faster game. But baseball isn't meant for TV. It never really was. Um, I think changing the pitching rhythm and changing the batting rhythm really throws off the game as a whole. I'm not really a big fan of it. Maybe I'm in the minority in that aspect, I like but I don't like it. I, I think it, the game is really supposed to be decided by the pitcher's rhythm, and the yeah. pitcher is supposed to control the whole pace of the game. So the pitch clock is not is not my favorite aspect of this spring well, training. The, the only reason that I think it's okay, I'm not I'm not a fan of it overall. But what makes it okay is it offsets. It's not like the batter yeah. can control the pace either. Both of them are on even even footing now. Yeah, and, and I kind so. I I was kind of in the same boat as you, where uh, I didn't see. Um, I didn't really, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really see it as a benefit, or I saw it more as a benefit for the batter than yeah. the pitcher. But you know, I didn't see it as as, really as canceling out. Um, so it's been interesting to see the implementation, uh, uh, implementations of it. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, the MLB MLB Network also did their their MLB Top 100 as they always do every year. Um, so we're gonna give our quick little thoughts. I only I only really have two. Yeah, you go. Um, you my first one is. I think Mike Trout should be over Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, fantastic season last year. Mike Trout, man, he's he's amazing. He's great, and he's proved it time and time again. He's great year in and year out, but is he great going into the season specifically? No. Based on what Aaron Judge just did last year, Shohei Otani at number one, I have no problem with Mike Trout being at three. You can make an argument for Mike Trout being number one, but it is going into specifically this season. I agree with Otani at one, Judge at two. I think Otani at one is completely fine. Otani's valuable on both sides of the ball. He's a you know very unique player. We've never really seen anyone like him in this modern era. No, um, I haven't seen so anyone like him in a hundred years. Yeah, yeah, so him him doing what he's doing, easily number one, very valuable asset, and we could even see him in a different uniform following this season, which will be interesting. But I just think Mike Trout has proved himself going into this season that he's great even with what judge did judge is easily three but i don't think judge was I don't a couple judges too judge was a couple hits away from winning the triple crown so in my humble opinion if we're looking at entire careers sure i don't have an issue with trout at three but just specifically going into the 2023 season i think judge should be wrong and yes i have some yankee bias in me but building off of what each of them did last year judge made history yeah, and I'm sure yeah. Trout will make and history this and, year. And Trout has made history plenty of times. Yes, he and he has. will again. Yes, he will. <laughs> but let Judge have this thing just for a moment. Um, you keep going. You All right. Um, my my second one is uh, Harper outside of the top ten. I think, um, you know Bryce Harper, easily when he's on the field is a top ten player, and that's not in question. I think this is where the question arises on what they're really basing this top one hundred off of, Health. because there isn't. A full explanation on it they just put it out as the top 100 i believe harper was at 18 or 19 yeah. overall which if he's 100 healthy the entire year there's no way he is outside the top 10 um i don't think there's any argument for that yeah and having him that low is outrageous however obviously he's going to be out for it's looking like basically half of the year which yeah. if you're putting that into it 
then I think you need to automatically you can't be in. The yeah, I, I I get that, and that's fine. But I'm saying like there should be something. There should be there should be criteria put out that they specify where they are getting this list from or where they are deciding this list from. Yeah, and I'll get to that in one second. My only thing with the top ten, I didn't have an issue with Harper not being there. Sorry to disrespect you. Um, only Manny Machado at five felt a little bit out of place to me. Um, the two guys right behind him, Arenado and Goldschmidt, the two people that finished in front of him in MVP voting um, for the NL. It seems weird to me that they're behind him and not in front of him. Yeah, Machado just got, what was it, 11 years, $330 million, something like that. Um, I'd even consider putting Jose Ramirez above Machado. That is open to discussion a little bit more. But what was surprising to me about the criteria that you were talking about is there are no full-time pitchers in the top 10. Sandy Alcantrana was number 12, I think. Yeah. Um, only Otani was the quote pitcher at number one. No other pitcher. Verlander was right behind Alcantrana as well. Um, I just found that a little odd. I found pitchers to be very valuable, and apparently, I th- I think it's not based I on think value. so as well. Um, obviously, I, I I I thought I was gonna be one of the sole people thinking that uh, Alcantara was gonna be the top pitcher in, uh, going into this year. Yeah. But I think MLB Network had everyone me beat, um, you know, put put it out there, and everyone's kind of on, on board with me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, uh, like you said, very weird that there wasn't one in the top ten. They were all offensive players. Surprised me. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, we've got a long season ahead of us. It hasn't even started the 162-game <laughs> slate. Uh, we're just getting ready, and I can't wait. We're about a, we're basically a month. a month away, less than a month away at this yeah. point. And even the the WBC coming up pretty yeah. soon. Tie us over until then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the NFL, of course. You know, we always start off with the NFL. Well, we don't always start off with the NFL, but recently we've been Got starting off with say. the NFL. Um, first off, Aaron Rodgers reports came out today. He's making his decision soon. What is he gonna do, Wally? I think you were looking at my notes there for a second. Uh, don't care is what I wrote, and don't care is what I've got to say. Um, I don't think he retires, though. That's my, my statement. If, well, I have, if I have to pick I, something which I don't want to, I think he stays in Green Bay just because it's the easiest. I don't think he retires, but the reports on Green Bay looking for his options and everything like yeah, that. I say do that you, every do year. You They've been saying it moved. since 2020. I don't care. I think he stays put. I think he stays put as well. I think he stays in Green Bay. It'd be more fun if he got switched around and the NFL got flipped upside I think, down. But... I think he stays in Green Bay. And I think Green Bay goes after DeAndre Hopkins. Wow. Get him a true wide receiver one. Yeah, now that Devontae Adams is gone. and Makes sense. You know. It makes sense. He, he, he started beefing up that young core, but you get you get DeAndre Hopkins in there. Could be could be a little bit more deadly in Green Bay. Maybe they actually maybe could. They maybe, the maybe they could beat the Lions in <laughs> yeah. week, week 18. Uh, Jalen Carter, potential number one pick. There is a warrant out for his arrest, too, actually, I believe. Yeah. Um, following a fatal car crash in January. And he, I will say, he has come out with a statement saying he's going back to Athens, Georgia, yeah. um, to deal with all this. Good. Um, there was a street racing crash that killed a Georgia player, Devin Willock, and a recruiting staffer, Chandler LaCroix. Um, that's what the report came out as, what the what Jalen Carter, the warrant is for. Um, he was involved in this uh, street racing accident um, that killed the two of them. Um, uh, and Wilcox, Willock's uh, autopsy report, his blood alcohol content was also above the legal limit. So chances are, I don't want to assume things, but if Carter's there, might be drinking and driving as well. That's what we'll get into with, there's two misdemeanors against him. 
Um, legally speaking, he's going to be fine. It's like a $1,000 fine in some community service, so yeah. he's not going to face any issues like that. Um, but this is a huge problem, obviously, with NFL teams. Um, I'm glad that he's leaving the Combine. He's in Indianapolis right now. He's supposed to have this big week of try and cement yourself as the number one overall pick. Um, we'll find out how it escalates where it goes with it. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this affects his draft stock, especially. Obviously, you know, we're getting into this draft season um definitely the preparation for it uh we're gonna be talking about the combine coming up here in a little bit um but it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting uh especially he's projected to maybe go number one if if the bears were to stay put um however i think they are gonna move it which yeah this this is we'll, we'll just segue right into that the bears trade it leaning towards trading this first overall pick um who's gonna get it uh, Houston's going to get it. They're going to slide up from two to one, and they're going to pick Bryce Young because it's the easiest for both sides. Uh, Chicago will get something reasonable. Um, Houston's not going to have to blow up the entire team to move up that one spot. It's by far the most likely, and it makes the most sense for both sides. As for you, what did you I, got? I went, I, went with, I went with a bold pick, and I feel like it's not it's not as bold the way that all these scouts and, and people are talking about this man. But I think the Colts try and jump uh, the Texans. They try and stop them from getting what they believe is the number one overall pick. Now, this is not me saying this is the correct number one overall pick, but I think they take Anthony Richardson at number one overall. That's a bunch of fooey. Please the, don't do that. It's young Stroud, I, huge drop off. I, I'm I'm not agreeing with the with the fact I that know, he is number I know. one. No, I'm not attacking you, but I'm attacking the NFL media world, NFL now analysts um it's young stroud huge drop off i don't want anything to do with levis or richardson if i had to pick between the two i'd pick richardson but i would not be picking him at number one i wouldn't even be picking him in the top 10 there i said it if he if he doesn't if he does not get taken at one he will probably go seven which i believe is which i believe is vegas yeah because then nine is the panthers correct yeah so that's disgusting though anthony richardson should not be a top seven pick he, I'm sorry. He 100% will end up being one. I, know, but I think. I think. Shouldn't. I think he will be. That's I think all. he will be. And I'm shouldn't. not saying it's right or wrong. I just think he will be. But also, if this happens, then I'll be very happy because back in our college football segments back in the fall, I was. You were asking if Will Levis was going to jump to mm-hmm. one if there was yeah, a possibility. I did ask. And that. I threw out a name out there. And who was that name? Anthony Richardson. So if this happens, I'm a genius, <laughs> and, and, I, and I and I predicted the entire NFL script for the NFL draft, like six months in advance. <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, we're talking about the combine. Who should our teams be looking at in the combine, Wally? Who should the Giants be looking at in the combine? Uh, I'd like to firstly say that I think the combine is stupid, and I think it doesn't mean anything. I don't care how fast you can run. I want to watch you go play the game of football. The entire NFL world got roped into Zach Wilson being the number two overall pick because he made a good throw at his pro day. I don't care about the combine. What I do care about at the combine is the players being there for interviews and interacting with the GMs. And for me, as a Giants fan, all I care about is what Joe Shane says and what he says at his press conferences. And on day one, he made it apparent that he wants D-line depth. That's very important to him, and I would not be surprised if they picked a defensive lineman in rounds one, two, or three, even round one, even if there are bigger needs. That's what I'm watching for, just to see what the executives say, what the feel is around the NFL, rather than specific players. 
and how fast they run the 40-yard dash or how many times they bench press 225 pounds. I don't care about any of that. I put zero stock into it. And I'm also sitting here in Syracuse, New York, and I'm not there in Indianapolis as a scout, but I don't care about it. I, I, I like and the, yourself. I, I like the combine, I, I will admit. Um, oh, obviously. I, I'm also watching uh, to see how tall Bryce Young is. Oh, I I was I actually care. wondering as I don't, well. I don't think I it matters how tall he well. is. He should be the number one overall pick. You watch what he did at Alabama for two years. He played against the best in the best conference for two straight years. Doesn't matter how tall he is, but I am excited to see what he officially comes in as listed as. Do you think he's taller or shorter than Joe Girardi listed as on the Syracuse <laughs> website? <laughs> What's JG three listed as? Six one. Really? Swear, me and Colin looked it up. Okay, well, I think he's shorter than six one. I've walked by. Jordan I think Bryce so too. Plenty of times. I think so too. I'll go with uh, Bryce Young. Bryce Young over under five eleven. That's what that's what I was gonna. That's what I was stuck at. I'll go over five eleven and one eighth of an inch. Okay. Okay. Taller than Kyler Murray, certainly. <laughs> um. Well, going back, I, I, I don't. I like the combine. I don't think it show. I, I obviously don't think it shows. Um. The true skill set of a player it shows their agility their speed and everything else but it doesn't really show what they can do on the field that they're reading and everything like that um there's a lot more that goes into it but for what i think the jaguars should be looking at and there's only one one answer to this and that's cornerback um mm-hmm. they need a second cornerback to pair with tyson campbell i've been saying this since the offseason or since yeah since they lost and the offseason started um doug peterson and trent balky both had press conferences yesterday saying that they're bringing back a majority of the team that was there last year, so they're not making a ton of changes. Um, unless there's some huge trade for Jalen Ramsey incoming, uh, which Bring I don't which home. I which I don't know if that's gonna happen. I don't see that happening. <laughs> um I think you're drafting a cornerback first round. Yeah. You may even trade up a couple spots to try and get a better one than where you're at. Um but I think with you're you're trying to surround this already, you know, formed core of guys from last year. You're bringing in a very talented wide receiver in Calvin Ridley, so you don't need first-round talent out of a wide receiver. You can get a wide receiver in a later round, maybe three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily need that. Maybe getting a tight end in two or three would be nice as well to pair with Evan Ingram when he comes back. But I think cornerback is your main priority right now, and that's the only thing you should be looking at regardless of anything. I know I'll be watching Sean Tucker's workout very closely as well. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for Garrett Wilson's workout (laughs) because that's the cornerback that I want. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to the NHL, we've had trades galore ahead of this playoff push. Yeah, and this seems to be a common thing in sports. The trade deadline's on Friday, I believe, and we saw it with the NBA, the trade deadline this year. I would say the NHL has borderline outdone the NBA. Um, I just want to highlight two trades that have come out in the last couple of days. One trade that might happen potentially. I'm going to leave with Jonathan Quick, though, getting traded to the Blue Jackets from the Los Angeles Kings. And now, reportedly, the Las Vegas Golden Knights are going after Jonathan Quick and want to get him from Columbus. And there are a lot of cap hurdles that um, the Golden Knights would have to overcome to try and get him. I don't know if that will actually take place. But my point with Jonathan Quick, the entire team was down following his trade, uh, despite them winning. They won last night, um, including Anze Kopitar, who scored four goals in the game. It was a huge... Huge moment for Kopitar, um, per Frank Saravelli. He, he announced this. He tweeted it. Um, it just stinks for Jonathan Quick. It stinks yeah. for the Kings as an organization. I feel for him. Two Stanley Cups. Conn Smythe Trophy winner. One of the best goalies statistically. Um, it stinks. It stinks for them. It stinks for all the players. Especially for a team that 
is very much in it right now. Yeah, it's not like they're in rebuilding mode where you ship out they, your veteran. They're tied right now in the Pacific with the Golden Knights. Exactly. Um, and then the other team, the other player that I want to quickly throw out there is Matthias Ekholm getting traded to Edmonton from Nashville. This gives them the defensive reinforcements that they have been trying to get for a very long time this season. Um, McDavid had his 50th goal the other night. First season with 50 goals, by the way. In, what, 61 games, 62 games, yeah. something like that. I would say he's still got plenty of time left. Absolutely insane. But um, Ekholm coming to Edmonton is huge for them just to have some reinforcements on the defensive side. We've been talking about it plenty that their defense has been horrible. The goaltending has been bad. Bringing in a strong defender is going to make a huge difference immediately for that team. And we'll talk about uh, you know your your big trade a little bit later. Yeah, I'm going to get into but, them. But um, I want to talk about the Lightning quickly before uh, getting into their um, actual you know their performance lately. But mm-hmm. they got Tanner Janot from the Predators for Cal Foot. A 2025 pick, uh, sorry, a first-round pick in 2025, a second-round pick in 2024, a third, a fourth, and a fifth in 2023. Lot. They gave up a lot for him. Um, but they really need guys that are going to go out there and bruise up the competition. Yeah, um, the they, they, Yeah, they really needed to get someone like that for this push, get some, get some fresh legs out there, fresh skates, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good pickup. But it was really a lot to give up for him. Yeah. Um, for a guy that I believe has only like his his largest season with or the most points he's had in a season so far, I believe, is like forty one. Yeah. So it was a lot to give up for a guy like that. Not the uh, not the type of thing that you usually look for when you're a contender. That's not the type of player you go after. But Tampa Bay, they're a winning team. They probably know something that we don't. I mean, they they know what they're doing at this point. Yeah. Uh, Cal Foot. Was on was on the team for the last Stanley Cup, not not the first one though. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, great. Uh, sad to see him go, but should be a solid addition for this playoff push. It's looking like they're going to get that third seed right now because they've lost two in a row. The gap is widening between them and the Maple Leafs as the Maple Leafs keep winning, uh, continue to win, and it's looking like they'll get the third spot, um, in that division. Uh, not much more to say except for they've been playing a little bit sloppy. Not a, like giving up a lot of goals. They gave up, I believe it was four to Florida last night, maybe three because one got called back. Um, no, they lost four to one and then giving up seven the game prior to the Penguins. Um, they play the Penguins again tomorrow, but really have to clean it up on the defensive and, and uh, the defensive end and, and not allow as many goals. Uh, it's really been that way all season is when they go on a skid, they give up games with four five six goals and and just lose and right in a row and then they bounce back and and outscore their opponent like seven to five so it's you're not going to win many games like that you got to clean up the goaltending and especially with Andre Vasilevsky back there you should not be giving up that many yeah the Rangers meanwhile before I get into the the talk of the town a certain Chicago Blackhawk coming coming to New York um, they lost four games in a row and got back on track with a win over the Kings um, on Monday. And Jonathan Quick started that game, gave up three goals on seven shots, was benched. Rangers won that game very easily. Keandre Miller, dirtbag, suspended three games for spitting on Drew Doughty. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't be a bad person. Keandre Miller was very apologetic on Twitter after the game, um, saying the emotions got the best of him. Uh, he apologized for it profusely. 
Don't be a dirtbag, though. Moving forward, you have a bright future, Keandre Miller. Don't spoil your reputation. Now for the trade, though. Patrick Kane. How about it? How about it? I saw you had in your notes. They still, still ain't not, winning. They still ain't winning. They still ain't winning. It is so rare that you get to acquire a Hall of Famer, nine-time All-Star, former MVP winner, and you don't have to give up the entire team. They give up one player, and they gave up uh, a couple of draft picks. Uh, they have to trade one to Arizona so Arizona could handle, takes by some of the money that Patrick Kane costs. Their top six forwards now, the Rangers, on the first two lines, have all been All-Stars in their career, and five of six of them have been at, been in the All-Star game at least once since 2020. That's insane. That doesn't happen in the sport of hockey. Top to bottom now. Now your third line is the three youngsters, Kako, Hedl, um, Lafreniere. Lafreniere, who grew up a Patrick Kane fan. Patrick Kane was Lafreniere's favorite player as a kid. Everything. Top to bottom, this Rangers team. You have a very good argument that they're the most talented team in the entire NHL. Will that mean they'll actually win anything? We'll find out. But I'm feeling pretty good right now with all of the requirements that they have made. They beefed up. Uh, they did what they had to do if they were going to make a playoff push. But even as talented as they, eh, as they are, even before the Kane acquirement, they've been underperforming mightily throughout the entire season. Not the entire. They, have, they, won't, just, they went on a seven-game streak and they okay, didn't lose okay. a game in regulation for a month. They're starting to hit their stride now, and then they had that four-game uh, skid. Okay, but, so a majority of the season, I'll say. They've sure, been, They've been sure. underperforming. For their standards, yes. Yes, for fair. their standards, exactly. Um, Not for the whole thing. So, obviously, we've seen playoff hockey is a completely different breed mm -hmm. than regular season. Um, I think they have a... they. They do have a good chance, but also you have to get through the behemoth that is Boston right now. Yeah. You still have to get through powerhouses in the East. I'm that, only worried about Boston. Have... I don't care about Carolina. I don't care about New Jersey. <laughs> I'm not sweating it. I don't care about Toronto, obviously, and I don't care about Tampa. All right. All right. Only Boston. It's the only thing on my mind. When Tampa does when Tampa does it again. See you in June. <laughs> See you in June in the Eastern Conference Final, Boston. Looking forward to it. Good luck, the Wild making a wild comeback. No! Uh, they are second in the Central now um, after going 7-1-2 in yeah. their last 10. And the goaltending has been absolutely insane. It's yeah. been out of this world. They have given up uh, more than two goals only once since February 11th in their games. They've been outstanding, both Marc-Andre Fleury, but specifically Philip Gustafsson. Awesome name. Only allowing 2.06 goals per game. In the entire season. But yes. in his last 10, 1.62 goals allowed. A 9.46 save percentage. He would be the Vesna favorite by a very wide margin if Linus Olmark didn't exist. Linus Olmark, who scored a goal. I would say also, <laughs> scored, also scored the other day on an empty netter. Um, if Linus Olmark did not exist, Gustafsson would be the favorite. And I, I feel for the guy who's playing out of his mind and he just has to live in the shadow of it's, Olmark. You know, this is it's it's the equivalent of Embiid and Jokic. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Because I've heard Gustavsson's name for quite some time, and he's con uh, repeatedly been in the conversation for the Vesna Trophy each year, just like Embiid has. <laughs> it's 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 heartbreaking when you have to see a guy go through that. Especially, I mean, obviously he's not on my team, but I'm saying in in the NBA terms, yeah. he's on my team. It's it's heartbreaking. <laughs> so I I. I feel for you wild fans out there. Uh, I don't know. Do you think they're going to do it? 
Do you think they'll take the Central? Um, nah. Nah, I don't. I think Colorado's turning it around. Finally. They're on a seven-game win streak right now. They're two points out of that first spot with two games less played than Dallas. I think Colorado will end up back in that first place. That whole division is a scuffle, though. The top four teams are within three points of each other. I think Colorado comes out on top. I think Minnesota gets there, though. I think Once Co- again, I think, last I think Colorado finally turns it around and uh, you know performs to the standards that we've we've seen Colorado do time and time again. Um, you know, last year winning the Stanley Cup, I think there's no reason that they shouldn't be uh, winning that division. They should have been from the start of the season, but you know you get that you get the slouch. So they're back. I think they'll win it. Um, Minnesota going on a great run here to finish the season off, though, yeah, and we'll see it. we'll see where it gets them. With that being said, we're gonna head into the halftime hustle. We're gonna start off with drip of the week. Do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? You can go first. All right, I'm gonna start it off with my favorite league, the XFL, yeah. uh, and the Houston Roughnecks. Look at these uniforms, man. They got the white on the shoulder patches. They've got oh, I did not mean to go on there. Uh, <laughs> They've got the navy, the navy jerseys with the gradient on there. But if you look at the helmet, the helmet is actually three different colors. It's got red, white, and then the other side being the navy with the Houston Roughnecks logo on it. Absolutely beautiful. And actually, they're the, they're one of the only two teams in the XFL to be two and zero right now. Good for them. I love the uniforms. They're very reminiscent of the navy uniforms I thought from the Army Navy game this year. That's what it reminded me of. I think we'll find we'll finally see their white uniforms this weekend when they play the San Antonio Brahmas on Sunday night. So they're cool, though. Uh, yeah, and all the uniforms uh, sponsored by Under Armour. The Rock is sponsored by Under Armour. He has his own line with them. So uh, did that. And they they all have uh, a little Rock uh, logo on the back of them as well. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's super cool. So it's pretty them. awesome. My drip of the week is a bit of a throwback drip of the week, but I was just introduced to this on TikTok the uh, the other day. That's Devontae Green, who is a player for the Norrköping Dolphins in Sweden. He's playing overseas. He played basketball in Indiana from 2016 to 2020. He has a tattoo on his left arm of the cheat code to get infinite ammo in GTA San Andreas. Um, And he got it because he's, quote, a shooter. And that's why he has the infinite ammo. He never misses. He never runs out. He's always shooting. See, I feel like I had seen that before, but I just never really, like... Looked into I it. I didn't know who it was that had it. I'd just seen the thing about the tattoo. Devontae Green is not doing anything. He's been, yeah, playing, over- so, He's been like, playing overseas since he left Indiana. But I think it's a super cool tattoo. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Even if you are playing for the Norkoping Dolphins in Sweden. Yeah. Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to go into our Players of the Week. And I'm going to start us off again. Yeah. I have the dog at Louisville's halftime <laughs> last night. So last night at halftime, uh, Louisville had a dog performing mm-hmm. on the court. Well, the dog decided to uh, take that a little serious and decided to uh, let one loose on the court oh, and started sweet. to go to the bathroom on the court. Yeah. So uh, at the end of the performance, the dog really you know, marked its territory on the court uh, with that. So, fantastic performance by the dog. Well, I'm glad that someone marked their territory on Louisville's court. I think it's been uh, terrible this entire year. Borderline, what what came out of that dog 
was of, was Louisville. Yeah, a little little symbolic. <laughs> it, was, it, was, of, it, was, it was a little metaphor. A little symbolic of who they were this entire year. My player of the week, keeping up with the Rangers because I'm a happy camper right now, and that's the Rangers GM Chris Drury for getting through the cap hurdles to bring in Patrick Kane to the Rangers. Absolutely grueling, sending players up and down from the minor leagues. Brandon Schneider was sent down to the AHL just for about 48 hours in order to get the contract here. Patrick Kane's contract expires at the end of this season. It's just a one-year rental. But he found a way, got him here, traded some draft found picks to <laughs> found a way. Traded some draft picks to Arizona to make sure that they pick up some of the money. Thank you, Chris Drury. Uh, you are my player of the week, and I'm very happy to be a Ranger fan right now. Well, we'll see what happens with your Rangers in the future, as we just talked we about. We will. We'll look forward to it. Uh, the NBA, Kevin Durant slated to return tonight for the Phoenix Suns for the first time. Yeah, it's first time in a Suns uniform. Gets to play the Charlotte Hornets, a team that lost LaMelo. For the season, how. because he broke his ankle. Yeah. They've, I mean, Charlotte really, a letdown, really man. let down season. Yeah, um, 20 wins in a year. They missed out on LaMelo for about the first month and a half as well with a sprained ankle, and then he mm-hmm. goes and breaks his ankle again. He's going to mm-hmm. have to start wearing some braces on those mm-hmm. ankles. Yes, he will. Be a nice, easy return for Kevin Durant, though, and the Suns. Get a feel for it. Probably because think, I said that the Hornets will win. Do you, but... do you think they, they pushed it back on purpose? He was supposed to. I think he was supposed to play yesterday, wasn't he? I don't think they did it on purpose. <laughs> I think that's just how his body was feeling. Or Sunday, I should there, say. There's Sunday. no reason to rush it, even though they played Milwaukee and they lost that's that true. game. I don't think it made. I don't think that had anything to do with it. Well, speaking of Milwaukee, there's a new top deer in the East. Clever. The Bucks. The Bucks Clever. taking number one. Yeah, they've won 15 straight games. That'll do it. Just about. And Boston hasn't even been playing bad. Boston's seven and three in their last ten, I believe. But more significantly, why the Bucks were able to take over that number one spot. It's the New York Knicks who beat the Boston Celtics. I just want to quickly go. Ja- on. Jason Tatum getting ejected in that game because all he wanted to do was complain. I just want to. I just want to quickly go on my my, my Knicks tangent because I'm so happy right now. I'm happy in all New York 50, sports. By the way, let me get into it. Let, <laughs> let me get. Let me get into it. Let me get into it. Put on the Knicks tape first and foremost. They won six straight, undefeated since Josh Hart got there. Undefeated since the trade deadline. Just beat Boston, who was at the time the number one team in the conference. They went 9-2 and two in the month of February, their best winning percentage in the month of February since 1989 to 1990, which is kind of concerning that they haven't been 9-2 and two in February in 33 years. That's kind of wild that they only, I mean, obviously. Only 11 you take, games. You take a whole, yeah, you take a whole week off of the All-Star break, but it's wild that you have it's 11 games. 28-day month. It's a short month. Sometimes 29, Wally. <laughs> sometimes 29. Every four years. <laughs> Uh, they're tied for the seventh most wins in the entire NBA, but they're fifth in the Eastern Conference, which is indicative of how good the Eastern Conference is. I absolutely love the Knicks, and I think the Bucks should be loving the Knicks as well for knocking off Boston. It's kind of like a thing where uh, the the Bills had to thank who was it? It wasn't the ba- was it the Bengals or the Ravens? No, uh, it was the Ravens that beat the Bengals, right? No, the and Bengals. Allowed... The Bengals beat the. Is the other way around? Yes. When okay, they donated yeah. to Andy Dalton's. Yeah, team. yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, so it should be a little bit like that for now. For now, <laughs> for until, one game. Yeah, until <laughs> you know the the race keeps going. The uh, 15 straight is dominant. That's legit. But I don't know how much you can keep that up. No. Got to be like the Knicks, come back and, down, win six straight. And I, be, I believe in the Bucks. The way Giannis is playing right now, he is. I I mean, Jokic is still, I think, the leader at the time. But if the Bucks get that one seed, Giannis has a complete. They may never argument. lose again. The Giannis has a complete argument to win MVP for the season. What if they win out doing that for the rest of the year? What if Milwaukee they never sweep, loses? They, they sweep, sweep the entire every... playoffs, sixteen and zero in the playoffs. Well, here's a question <laughs> I have that I didn't actually write down. Who has more to prove in this playoffs? 
Jokic or Giannis? Definitely Jokic because Giannis <laughs> has a ring. Giannis has won in the playoffs consistently. Jokic has an opportunity to push through. You know, they're, they got a five-and-a-half game lead for that number one spot. I think Jokic has already determined himself you, as the one way, of, if not the best players in the NBA, two-time MVP. The, the, way I, the way I should have phrased it, I meant, is do you think Jokic has the most to prove in these playoffs? Out of anyone? Yes. Yeah, sure. I can I can get behind that. I don't have an issue with that. If you're if you're gonna win MVP two times in a row, you might win it three straight, and you do absolutely nothing in the playoffs. Totally, people are gonna start coming for your head eventually. I agree. I agree. That's what, that's the way I meant to phrase yeah. the question. I don't know why I brought Giannis's <laughs> name into it. I apologize for that because that was that just sounded pretty dumb on my part. <laughs> nah, but good. no, yeah, I think uh, especially if you're gonna win back to back to back. Yeah, you MVPs, gotta start winning in the postseason. Um, and you have no postseason record. You did, you haven't mm-hmm. even made a conference finals yet, I don't think. Unless they did. No, did they make it in the bubble? They made it in the bubble. Okay. I well, think. they made it in the bubble, which right. is a lot of people consider yeah. that a down year. I mean, I don't. Jokic, saying a lot, a lot Jokic of people, didn't even win MVP that year. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But uh, if you're going to win MVP three times in a row, you better start getting some, some more hardware in there. Because if yeah. you're winning meaningless MVPs, then what really is the meaning of you? playing at such a high level valuable can you be exactly exactly uh damian lillard he's not going away no he dropped 71 and i didn't hear a peep about it i didn't i didn't know anything about it might be the western i saw western time zone thing i saw he held up a paper that said 71 like like wilt when he had the hundred which do you believe that Wilt scored 100 in that game? Because yeah. a lot of people don't. I do. I do I, as well. I also but, believe but that people, people landed on the moon because <laughs> yeah. I'm not a I'm not from the Looney Farm. Sorry if we just lost some viewers. Feel free to cancel us. Those that don't believe the moon landing ever happened. Yes, Wilt Chamberlain scored 100. What kind know, of collu- what kind of collusion would that be? A fake. It's not I'm Bigfoot. Just, it's I'm, not Bigfoot. I'm just I'm just saying there's people out there that don't believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Of course, I think Wilt was a monster, and he was he was averaging like 50 points a game yeah, at exactly. one point. So He's averaging like... quadruple doubles. <laughs> it was his stat line. He was playing against plumbers. What What's interesting to me about Damian Lillard though is how I didn't hear a peep about it, and at this point I just feel like he's kind of living in his own world in Portland. He doesn't have a whole lot of help, dropping. Like again, seventy-one points was an all-star this year. There was a video at the all-star game of Jason Tatum's son Deuce playing on the court, and all the other players are having fun. Laurie Markkinen's passing him the ball. Damian Lillard's just standing there in the background, uninterested. Uh, he's oh, that's always kind of been his personality anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's been a, he's been a reserved, quiet but guy. I just feel like this year in particular, despite him putting up all of these great numbers, he's. Only just I mean, kind of like hanging he, out. He's hanging out in the back now. Puts up the great numbers, but like, like we said with Jokic, almost, and it's not like it's not the same because yeah. Dame has never really had like great help. He had CJ yeah. McCollum probably when CJ McCollum was at his peak because now he's solid, but he's not like great. Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah, he had Lamarcus Aldridge. Like that was a while ago. Like but... a lot, but like a lot of those Portland teams weren't awful no. to start his career, but now it's just like he's stayed there for so long, and they're like. They're wondering, should we go into rebuild or like should we try and get some guys to build around Damon? They just don't have the they don't have the market for it. Nobody yeah. wants to go to Portland. Nobody wants to like they're not gonna pay not anyone to come anyone. to Portland because it's not an attractive place. They don't have any promise besides Dame. They got the they got up. Jeremy Grant, what was it, last year? Yeah. And that was a solid signing, but like you can't build a team with Dame and Jeremy Grant. <laughs> the Jeremy Grant isn't a two. You're he's not, not your, he's not your second reliable guy on the team. You don't have 
a reliable team and Dame can put up all these numbers he wants, but there's been no hardware. They've hardly done anything in the playoff when he's there. Dame, a fantastic player, but he's not going to do anything in Portland. He has to realize that yeah. as much as he, as he thinks he owes the city. He had that buzzer beater a couple of years ago. Yeah, the uh, Dame time. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and then what? And it. then what do you do? <laughs> cool pictures. <laughs> That's about all I got on Damian Lillard. Well, all I gotta say is Pat Bev uh, did the broken watch celebration to his Dame time. Did he? <laughs> yeah, this season <laughs> when he when he locked him up. <laughs> um, the Sixers. I want to talk about them really quick. Losing two heartbreaking games at home after beating the Grizzlies. A big beatdown on the Grizzlies. Not really a beatdown, but coming back. I think they were down seventeen at one point. Um, losing a heartbreaker to Boston, Embiid making a three-quarter yeah. court shot at like point one seconds after the buzzer. I like. I like that, that was em- that was not the first time that's happened. Either. I like that Embiid made that shot and then and the then whole, just walked the whole away. crowd erupts and he's saying, "No, don't don't yeah. waste your time with it." He just walked to the locker room. Let's go home. Yeah, he was mad. He was frustrated. And then uh, the game against the Heat uh, two nights ago, I believe, because yeah, they played a night against the Heat again. Um, he blamed that loss on himself, which obviously leader, leadership. Le- leadership. He's gonna he's gonna put it on himself. Say he didn't perform as as well as he wanted to. Um, Harden has been playing very well recently as well, um, putting up some good numbers. But those guys can't do it all. They need Tyrese Maxey to step up. Mm-hmm. Tobias Harris has actually been fantastic. He's leading. I think it's like the left corner three. He leads the league in points scored from there. So he's finally learned his role <laughs> of just sitting in the corner and shooting threes. I think PJ Tucker finally got that out of him. But uh, when they go to the bench unit, when Embiid and Harden sit down, they struggle mightily. Uh, Maxi needs to step up. He was a starter last year. He was averaging close to 20 points last year. He needs to do the same this year. And that's what he really needs to get. He needs to get himself back into that role of, of scoring. And he was, he was at that point when he came back from his injury, and he's just gone cold recently. We need him back, especially when it comes playoff time. And they're, what, probably like 15 games left in, in the season-ish. Yeah. So... They need them. They need them now more than ever, and no better time to start than the present. Especially with the New York Knicks. Right now. They're coming. <laughs> They're coming, baby. Coming for that three. I don't want to. I don't want to face the Knicks in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't want to face the Knicks. No one does. <laughs> now let's get to the real madness, and that's NCAA men's basketball championship week next week. Next week already. Well, it already started in some conferences. Yes, in some, some conference tournaments are already underway, and something that's. I found it to be really cool, and I didn't really know this about the conference tournaments. There's 32, uh, obviously. 32 automatic bids to be given. Every tournament has their own uh, format. They each yeah. do it differently. Was it the West Coast Conference that has, like, the you win and then you move on, but it's like everyone has a buy if you're not, like, one of the exactly. last four seeds? The West Coast yeah. Conference, the top two teams, Gonzaga and St. Mary's, only play from the semifinal and then the championship. They have to win two games compared to the team who's at the back, has to win five or six games yeah. to win the entire thing. And the reason they do that, which makes sense to me, and I think some other conferences might want to start doing this, is because this almost makes sure that your strongest teams are going to get that bid. In these conferences where you only have one or two teams getting a bid, you want to make sure that your best team makes it out of your conference and makes it to the tournament to represent them. Maybe it the makes ACC sense should to start this. Uh, the ACC isn't that bad. They're not that bad yet. I think it's really cool. As well, the A-Sun, the Atlantic Sun Conference, the 9 plays the 10, and the 7 plays the 8, and then yeah. the 1 plays the 9, 10, and the 2 plays the 7, 8. I think that's pretty cool as well. I was seeing the NBA play-in tournament. It's 10 v. 7, 8 v. 9. Work your way down through it and everything. 
I think it's cool that they do that as well. No matter what, the one's going to be playing the worst of the two teams. Well, I want to say like that, that the play-in tournament was kind of based off of these these formats as well, like a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, you see the play-in for March Madness itself, mm-hmm. but I think it was like kind of designed to be a little bit like that. I mean, obviously, there would be no other way to do it in the NBA. It's fun, but like it was a good way to model it. I like it. I agree. Uh, well, let's talk about the Big Twelve because you sent me and me and our good friend Colin a text the other day saying I that did. the Big Twelve was insane. Yeah, and I got. I mean, obviously, I they agree. Are. But if you want to provide the stats to our viewers here, yeah, top to bottom, <clears throat> it's a filthy conference. I don't know if I've ever seen <clears throat> something like this. Seven out of the ten teams <clears throat> in the Big Twelve right now are in the tournament, according to Joe Lenardi in Bracketology, which is absolutely insane. And on top of that, Oklahoma State is in the first four out, and Texas Tech is in the next four out. Only Oklahoma is the lone team. All the nine others are on the bubble or in the tournament right now. And what's even more insane to me is there are teams like West Virginia, who is currently slated on the 10-11 seed line, who are five or six games under 500 in conference play. I think they're, they're, I think they're five on. and 11. They're getting dunked <clears throat> on in conference play, but because of how good the Big 12 is, they are still on the bubble. They still might make it there. And then, of course, there are going to be multiple teams on the 1, 2, and 3 line within the Big 12. Probably four teams. Kansas, Baylor, Texas, and Kansas State. If not even three of them on the 1, 2 line. The conference is insane. I can't I can't get enough of it. I can't wait for the tournament, man. The Big 12 tournament in particular. I just have one thing to say. It. Yeah. Horns up. Yeah, okay, buddy. Marquette. The 6 in the AP poll right now. How legit are they come tournament time? They're legit, but they are very much based on uh, matchups. That will be the determining factor of how far they go. The offense is lethal, one of the best in the entire country. They shoot better than most teams. They put up 80 points a game. And if they match up, probably going to be a two-seed, two-three-seed. If they match up with a team like Duke, they'll be fine. Duke is just a balanced team. They're not exceptional at offense or defense. They just play their game. They score 70 points. They give up 65. They call it a day. That's what Duke does. But if they draw someone like Iowa, who does what Marquette does, if not arguably better, and that's trying to outshoot you, and specifically a team like Iowa, who's from the Big Ten, the Big Ten, which is supposed to get eight or nine bids right now. That is a battle-tested team. Yeah. If they run into Iowa... Or a team like that, that's offensive-minded, then I would be afraid for Marquette. In that scenario, they could be out of there the first weekend. But if they keep drawing the same teams that are like Duke, these balanced teams who are 60th in offense and 80th in defense, and they're just fine, then they could go, I'm not going to say to the Final Four, but they could go to the Elite Eight. They could easily be pushing to the Final Four. How would you? What would you say if they matched up with a team where we haven't really seen what their full strength is, offense or defense, like Tennessee? Um, That's a good question. I don't like Tennessee. I'm not high on Tennessee. I think the offense is way too inconsistent, and it will doom them. And despite the defense being amazing, I would ride with Marquette in that scenario. However, a team that's defensive-minded but has some more offensive consistency, like UVA, for example, who's been floundering. They've been falling down the tubes as of late. But like UVA, then I would consider UVA over Marquette. Okay. But Tennessee in particular, I'm afraid of them. I don't like the offense. There are games where they haven't even put up 40 points this season. I am staying far, far away from Tennessee entirely. But again, Marquette, and I'm going to talk about a little bit more with Houston in a second, but with Marquette, they're all matchup-based. 
whoever's I mean, in that region. Marquette, like you said, one of the top offensive teams. Yes. I think if you get a team that has had a struggle scoring this season, there's there's no way that they don't at least put up a fight with yeah. them or capitalize on that. Yeah. Um, it's really, like you said, going to be very dependent on how good that defense is. Yes. And defense wins championships, man. It does. Needs some offense. Sometimes. Though. Yeah, Needs some, some offense. sometimes. Needs some offense to compensate. Uh, Houston sitting at number one. It's, it's looking like they probably will end up there at the end of the season um, before, before tournament time. Um, were we wrong? Can Houston really do it? No, they can't. <laughs> I agree with that. Before before we get into our little <laughs> our little anecdotes, I want to say no, they're not going to do it. <laughs> but and we've been saying it since when did college basketball start? November, late October, yeah. whatever it was. Um, but lack of strong competition is what's going to burn them. They have four quad one wins, and they're the number one team in the country. That's bad. Kansas, for example, who currently is number three in the AP poll, and might end up having an argument to be the number one overall seed. And we'll get to choose what region they want to play at, which would be in Kansas City in Missouri. Yeah. A very close distance for them. Kansas has uh, nearly four times the number of quad one wins. They have 15, which is by far the most in college basketball. And obviously this factors into the fact that they're playing in the best conference in college basketball in, in the Big 12, yeah, the dominance that we've been talking about. Because the top three, Kansas, Baylor, Texas. Baylor with 11 yeah. wins, Texas with 10. Um, as for Houston, though, for me, it's a matchup-related thing, but not so much offense-defense because I know what I'm going to get with Houston. I know that they're going to play stout defense. They're going to be efficient on offense. That's what they're going to do. But for me, it's just the degree of difficulty of the teams that they are facing and the opponents that they have faced throughout when, the year. When was their last quad one win? Do we Was it the beginning of the season when they Couldn't played out you. of conference, probably? Memphis might be considered quad one. That would be my guess. Memphis is the only other team from the AAC who's projected to be in the tournament right yeah. now. I'll guess that Memphis would be that last quad one. Okay, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't consider them a quad one. That's why I was just. They might well, just, That's why, they I, was might just, be that's why I was just worried. I, I, I mean, couldn't I don't tell know. you. But either way, um, yeah. It's sorry, a, it's I didn't mean, I didn't mean to good. throw you off like that. I just no, wanted, I wanted to put it out there because I know the audience is probably thinking the same yeah. thing. <laughs> um, how far they go depends on who's in their region and how good those teams are. Not so just like their seating, not just their stats. But the conferences that they're playing in. In this scenario, let's say Marquette is the two who have, uh, I think, like four quad one wins this year. Gonzaga is the three. This is all possible. Like, seeding-wise, this is very yes. much possible. Gonzaga is the three. They have three or four quad one wins. And UVA also has four, uh, I think, four quad one wins, maybe even three. Um those are the top four teams in that region. In that scenario, I'm riding with Houston to come out of that region without an issue, just because of those other teams not being I was experienced. Gonna, I was gonna say I think Houston is the most dom like dominant in that conference, just because the rest of them obviously haven't had much experience exactly. either. UVA playing in a weak ACC, Gonzaga we've seen year in year out where they look dominant coming out of the West Coast Conference, and then they re don't really do much following that. And Marquette, as we just talked about. They're going against a, a strong defensive team, which is what you're going to get with Houston. You can't really fully rely on them. If they can outscore Houston, then great. Yeah. But Houston is going to provide that defense. I think they'd be the favorite to go to the Final Four. I don't, I don't think that they can face off against another Final Four team, though. I also don't think that the committee, or however, whoever like makes up the bracket or whatever, would put all of them in the same 
they would put UVA there, but they wouldn't put Houston, Marquette, and Gonzaga all in the same yeah. region just because there's not a Power 5 team. There's not a Power 5 conference represented there. Either way, though. But I do think if they have to go through a team like UCLA, UCLA for example, who has six quad one wins, UCLA is a fair example, even if that's only um, two, uh, one more than what Houston has. UCLA being most likely on the two line, they can even get up to the one line, depending on Pac-12 tournament, depending on if Purdue loses, etc., if they face a team like that, if they're stuck with a team like that in the two, even Texas, you can put Texas there, any of those big 12 teams, then I would be more concerned for Houston. Especially UCLA, just because they match up well with them because UCLA is a defensive-focused team. Do you well. think UCLA gets the final one over Purdue, or do you think Purdue gets it over UCLA? I think Purdue, and 9 out of 10 bracketology things right now, Purdue is still at that one spot, and I think Purdue will stay there. But UCLA will have a very compelling argument. I also don't think Purdue ends up winning the Big Ten tournament. I, I, I was going to say, I think it's going to be very dependent on what happens in championship next week, I think, or championship week next week. I think if UCLA wins that Pac-12, I think they, they are going to get that final one spot, um, and I don't see Purdue winning. Like I had, or, well, you know, this isn't really a good comparison, but I, I had said that I see them as a very Illinois-like team with Kofi yes, Cockburn and, said that. and Io DeSunmu. Mm-hmm. Um, who actually did win the Big Ten, mm-hmm. um, but I don't. I don't see Purdue doing the same. I think Edie is relied on way too much in that team. Um, I think UCLA gets that final one spot, so I think Purdue ends up at the two, the first two seed, I should say. Um, but I don't think that uh, Purdue does it either. My only, the reason why I would stick with Purdue and Purdue staying at the one is because the Big Ten is so much better. Yeah. And UCLA, there's a very high chance that the only tournament team that they could end up facing in a tournament is Arizona, and that could be in the championship. That's true. Depending on what happens with Arizona State and USC, they're both on the bubble right now. Arizona State solely because of a three-quarter shot to beat Arizona at the buzzer. That's the only reason why they're on the bubble right now. Just the fact that Purdue is probably going to have to win two games against conference or against NCAA tournament teams to reach that championship, even if they lose it. I don't think they win that, as I just said, but I think that Purdue will stay at the one. Well, let's talk about those bubble teams right now. UNC, Arizona State, or West Virginia are the three that I have in here. Yeah. Who do you think makes it in? Or is there a fourth party team? a third-party team, I should say, that you think makes it in over all three of these? I, I think there's too many that are going on around themselves right now. Um, there are too many teams that can be considered on the bubble. Wisconsin, Rutgers, Mississippi State, Michigan, Boise State. Depends on where you look. Um, depends on which expert you talk to. There was There's a large list, but these are just the three that I, that yeah. I had picked out. and these are the three that most people are talking yes. about right now. Out of those three, West Virginia is my pick. Strictly because of how good the conference is. But more specifically, the fact that they're able to play in the Big 12 tournament. They have that advantage. They have, they're playing in the strongest conference in the entire country. If they can make it to the semifinal game, they're going to beat two tournament teams. That's automatic for them. UNC, if you make it to the semifinal, you might beat one, one tournament team. You might beat, I don't even know, Duke. I don't know what the ACC standings are right now. Um, and then Arizona State. There's Arizona and UCLA. Those are the only two teams. So Arizona State, you would have to be in the championship, and you'd have to beat Arizona or UCLA to get to that point. That's why I think West Virginia makes the most sense to me. I, oh, sorry. I thought you were finished. I was just going to say one more thing about UNC. I simultaneously don't see UNC getting gypped out of the tournament uh, if they beat Duke this weekend. 
automatically the committee will be head over their heels because Hubert D- Davis. And yeah, well, especially especially following a win over Virginia last week. Yeah. Um, you know, being up a convincing amount, a majority of that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Virginia, like we've said time and time again, Flandre. not a, not a very good team. Mm-mm. Not at all. What do you got? I have I have Arizona State making it actually. Um, okay. I think I think I know West Virginia plays in a very strong Big Twelve, but I think their issue is that they're six and eleven in conference play or five and eleven somewhere around there, mm-hmm. um, in conference play. Which yes, the strength of the conference is way better than the rest of these teams. But UNC in a very bad ACC has very much underperformed, especially being a one seed. Um, at the start of the season, and they were once tied with Syracuse in conference yeah. play. Um, and Syracuse, Syracuse has taken themselves out of that picture on their own. Syracuse, not even UNC I mean, doing it. Yeah, uh, which Syracuse was never in it to begin with. We haven't spoken about them have. in a couple of weeks now. We don't have to. They just <laughs> lost to Georgia Tech last night, the worst team in the one of the worst teams in the ACC, the worst shooting team in the ACC by far. Um, they made them look like they were sharpshooters last night. Put up ninety. Yeah, they I also. Think, I think seventy six. Uh, I was I, I was at that game with uh, our friends Colin and Hunter, and uh, the defense in that game was awful. They switched to man. It's been actually. awful. And they give up a hundred to Pitt. As yeah. Well, well, Pitt's a very good team. They. I, know, I was. I like. I was gonna put them in this conversation, but they're, they're not a. Bu- they're not a bubble yeah. team. They're no. not a bubble team. They're. They, they they're also the twenty fifth overall in the AP. So. But like, even even so, if you're giving up a hundred points in college, I'm raising an eyebrow at you. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, Georgia Tech, like. Right out the gate, <laughs> I think they 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 went up maybe like thirteen to six. Yeah. But then like it just kept going, and at halftime, I think they, they were up plus. like fifteen, mm-hmm. um, and it was like fifty six to like thirty nine or something. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. It was really bad. Um, but I think I think Arizona State makes a run next week in this Pac twelve. Um, I think the tournament gets them that convincing nod, and like Makes you sense. said, the game against Arizona, although obviously they had that circus shot to win the game wins a win um a win is a win and being that close with arizona who is a tournament team yeah i think that we see the sun devils sneak in as potentially the last team in the tournament not only a tournament team but arizona's gonna be a top three seed yeah they're very strong when you look at unc you look at the acc the ceiling of uva miami neither of them are going to the final four you look at the pac-12 ucla Arizona, both of them will be trendy Final Four picks. Well, we talk about the SEC being top-heavy. You could look at the Pac-12 being top-heavy with yeah. with uh, Arizona and UCLA. Obviously, mm-hmm. those two teams, very strong. UCLA, I just said, had, has a very convincing argument for, for the number one if they win that conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And obviously, like we said, the madness has just begun. Yeah. The tournament... The, I mean, the seeding isn't even finished yet for a lot of these conference games next no. week. A lot of these bigger conferences, I should say, because like we said, some of the conferences have already started playing. I think the last day is Saturday. The last Sunday. the last official day is Saturday, okay. I think. Yeah, regular season. Because then they'll have Sunday to Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Like, Wednesday is the first games, I think. Perfect. Yeah, well, I can't why, wait. I, I was, are you talking about for conference tournament or the real thing? Conference. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Just well, because sure. the real thing, it's a Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah, just making sure. Obviously. I'm not Come questioning on, you. I wasn't questioning you. I wasn't questioning you. No, because sure we, we only day. have one more Sunday until Selection Sunday. Yeah. This is the last Sunday. One more trip to church. Before, <laughs> before you better get Sunday. those prayers in if you want to see your team in the in the, the tournament this year. Well, Wally, while these people are going to pray for their teams, <laughs> where can they also find us? You can hit us up at Slinging Sports on Instagram, at Slinging underscore sports on Twitter. The number one way to know when episodes are dropped. Also some sweet graphics uh, explaining the content, what's going on in each and every episode. 
Well, I could not have said that better myself. You know, <laughs> some beautiful graphics over on those socials. Um, I don't know how many times I could say it, but the madness is only beginning. We're going to keep you updated on all of it. I, we're actually, we're only two two weeks out from our our big uh, bracket breakdown. Special. Yeah, we're, yeah, maybe we'll get some more guests My on. Favorite episode of yeah. the year. I think we're going to have to bring a, a few guests back on too. Yeah. Um, with that being said, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.